Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, then it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and toquettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Friday, December 30th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world And it's almost the end of this wretched year Yeah, let's finally get rid of this Yes, 2016 We only have to get through one more day Without somebody beloved passing away what a broken heart uh, we all have here for, you know, having the death of Carrie Fisher followed up by the death of her mother, Debbie Reynolds, on the day she was planning her daughter's funeral. Oh, my God. It's like, geez, what 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 else can you do to us? 2016. Uh, you almost don't want to tempt fate, but uh Anyway, I hope you're all preparing for a fun and exciting new year coming up in 2017. We'll have plenty to bring you here on the Russ Belleville Show and on CannabisRadio.com. All sorts of new podcasts, including uh, my friend N'Gaio Bielam has a new podcast on Cannabis Radio, Rolling with N'Gaio. You got to check it out. It's entertaining as hell. Coming up on today's show, we're looking back on 2016 and playing some of my favorite clips from the year, and we've got a special one to end the year with. I had an extended discussion with the former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, in our Reformers Readers segment. He was hawking his book, The Marijuana Manifesto, and we had a lively discussion, and so we'll give that to you at half past here, my extended interview with Governor Jesse Ventura. But uh, also here in the first hour, we, of course, will start things off with the Cannabis Radio News. In the headlines t- today, we've got some shenanigans in Massachusetts to tell you about, a new law to try to address a driving loophole in California's Prop 64. We've got Maine trying to play the run-out-the-clock game as well on marijuana legalization taking effect. And great news, on the other hand, coming from the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico to deliver for you. And the reaction of law enforcement to the fact that uh, New Year's Eve is happening tonight in Las Vegas, and at midnight, it becomes January 1st, and marijuana becomes legal in Las Vegas, uh, and Nevada, the whole state for that matter, and uh, we'll tell you how they're reacting to that. Also in our one in behind the headlines, we're going to get into this uh, story that's uh, getting some traction. It's been reported on in Forbes now on cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. This is the uh, cyclical vomiting that happens uh, from time to time, and uh, we'll get to the truth behind this cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome uh, when we uh, get behind the headlines, so uh, stay tuned for that. Then in Hour 2, we'll do a lot of our regular Hour 1 segments. Uh, We've got a correction for you on that TGA Friday story uh, that's uh, really not much to correct, Uh, but then we're also going to have time for some drug war data mining, and we're going to take a look at the relationship between the price of marijuana and the use of it by teenagers. Does the high price of marijuana deter 
teenage marijuana use. Then after our safety meeting, uh, we'll get into a radical rant where I'm going to comment on those stories in the headlines from Massachusetts and Maine, where both governments there are trying to delay the opening of pot shops. And I'm going to tell you what I think they're trying to do, what they're up to in these legislative shenanigans. Also in hour two, we've got Paul Armentano's top 10 marijuana science stories from 2016. We can end the year on a happy note. Uh, and uh, then we will promptly shut that. Uh, well, no, we'll end the year on a happy note. I'm going to adjust the uh, lineup a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to close on that last story. Hey, stay tuned. We're back with the uh, last headline news of 2016. I'm Radical Russ, live from Delta 9 Studios in Potland, Oregon. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform, puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Senator Mark Madsen of Utah. Mark, welcome to the show. Everybody kind of turns a blind eye. They obviously have to go to some other state. Representative Lee Fredericks. We're going to get something on the order of nonviolent possession offenses. State Representative Kathy Tilton. Where does it go from personal use to commercial use? It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show. Providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit mjba.net for more details. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, December 30th, 2016. Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker signed a bill Friday aimed at delaying by up to six months the opening of marijuana shops in the state until mid-2018. An aide to the Republican governor said Baker shares the desire of state lawmakers to thoroughly prepare for the launch of a new industry distributing a controlled substance. Baker's decision to sign the bill came as a small group of marijuana activists protested outside the statehouse. Members of the Massachusetts Cannabis Reform Coalition and the National Organization 
Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws faulted lawmakers for passing the bill during end-of-year sessions and said the delay, quote, flies in the face of the will of the voters, end quote, who approved the ballot question legalizing pot. The House and Senate passed the bill Wednesday without a public hearing and without debate during informal sessions in both chambers. Only a handful of lawmakers were present. Newly introduced legislation seeks to ban behavior not addressed by California's new pot law, toking while driving. It's currently illegal to have an open container of weed in a vehicle. It's also illegal to drive while high. But there's a technical loophole in these existing laws because they don't address actual usage while driving. Nor do they define whether a pipe, joint, or edible are considered open containers. The proposed Senate Bill 65 would make it an infraction for anyone to smoke or consume marijuana in any form while driving a vehicle or piloting a boat or plane, consistent with the law on alcohol. Earlier this month, Assemblyman Tom Lackey, a Republican from Palmdale, a 28-year veteran with the California Highway Patrol, introduced a bill intended to give police officers the right to use saliva-based roadside testing devices on drivers they believe are under the influence of marijuana. Campaigners who opposed a referendum to make marijuana legal in Maine are now calling for a moratorium on implementation of legalization. Voters narrowly approved legalization of marijuana last month. The new law calls for a nine-month implementation period in which state regulators will make rules for marijuana retailers and social clubs. The anti-legalization group Mainers Protecting Our Youth and Communities say this isn't enough time. The group wants lawmakers to halt implementation until at least summer 2018. The state is also waiting for Governor Paul LePage to issue a proclamation of the results. The law goes into effect a month after LePage makes the proclamation. LePage, a Republican, has questioned whether the marijuana law can be legally implemented. Pro-marijuana campaigners say the moratorium call is a stalling tactic. Medical marijuana dispensaries have begun operating for the first time in the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico. Governor Alejandro Garcia Padilla said Friday that two dispensaries opened nearly two years after his administration adopted a regulation to allow for the cultivation, manufacturing, and distribution of medical marijuana. Nearly 2,000 patients have registered with the island's health department so far to obtain medical marijuana. Officials say the substance can be used in forms including pills, creams, patches, and oral drops. Smoking marijuana and cultivating it for personal use remains illegal, although Garcia has said prosecuting marijuana possession would be given the lowest priority by his administration. Police will fan out in force both in uniform and undercover to keep crowds safe during Las Vegas's extravagant New Year's Eve celebration, authorities said Thursday. While recreational marijuana use for people 21 and over becomes legal in Nevada on January 1st, police reiterated that consumption is not allowed in public places and should be done at home. Using pot in public is a misdemeanor that carries a fine of up to $600. Driving under the influence of marijuana is also illegal. Retail dispensaries are not yet allowed to sell marijuana for recreational use and can only provide their products to people with valid medical marijuana cards. It's an all-hands-on-deck situation for Las Vegas police, who are barred from taking vacation during New Year's Eve holiday period. Clark says all officers will either be working or on call. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, December 30th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville.
We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the newest and greatest podcast in the galaxy, The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, your insider industry connection to accurate and entertaining information about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. Rolling joints and dropping knowledge about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. The future of legal cannabis has arrived, and we want to give you The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Look for new episodes at CannabisRadio.com, TheRealDirt.com, or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wank concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. Hey, everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, I want to talk about this story that's gaining some traction. I saw it on uh, Forbes.com and uh, then subsequently checked out all of the reports on it. It has to do with uh, cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. And as it was reported, the... uh, Problem is, and this is uh, from the story that was on uh, Forbes, Dr. Kenan Hurd, an emergency room physician at the University of Colorado Hospital in Aurora, Colorado, co-authored a study showing that since 2009, when medical marijuana became widely available, emergency room visit diagnoses for cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome in two Colorado hospitals nearly doubled. Oh, no. Okay, so... um. <laughs> First of all, let me just make it clear that there is such a thing as cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. I've suffered it twice, uh, and it's not pleasant. And it's basically you just have overloaded your endocannabinoid system by either doing too big of a dab at once or you ate too much edibles or whatever it might be. And it, you get this violent cyclical vomiting fit. And I mean, you empty your stomach and you're still puking. You're just dry heaving. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not a pleasant thing. It really does exist. 
But there is no epidemic, folks. <laughs> this is not like, oh my God, we legalized marijuana and suddenly everybody's puking their guts out. I mean, the problem with this is a trick that they use in reporting on studies. And I don't know that it's, uh, you know, uh, on purpose for some of these outlets or, or they're just reporting what they're told, but it's when they use a ratio or a percentage to try to scare you with something when the absolute values of this thing are minuscule. All right. This is something I picked up from talking to Dr. Mitch for eight years now. Uh, the quote in question is emergency room visit diagnoses for CHS, the cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, the vomiting in two Colorado hospitals nearly doubled. It's like, Oh my God, nearly doubled. Well, here's the actual numbers from the, from the study itself. The prevalence of cyclical vomiting visits increased from 41 per 113,262 emergency room visits to 87 of 125,095 emergency room visits after marijuana liberalization. (gasps) Oh, my God. Over the course of a year, 87 pot smokers in Colorado puked their guts out in two hospitals. Hmm. All right. (laughs) Well, let's see now. The rate of annual pot smoking for people ages 12 and older in Colorado in 2010-2011 was almost 17%. There were 4.3 million people in Colorado. About 82% of them are age 12 and older. That's about 3.5 million. 17% of that works out to about 600,000 annual pot smokers. So in other words, in these two hospitals, we had a little over... 1.5 1.5 one hundredths of one percent of Colorado's pot smokers that year that suffered CHS. <laughs> okay, now maybe that stat's not entirely fair because the guy that's smoking once a year isn't going to be, you know, the candidate for CHS. It's only be the heavy marijuana users, right? So I'd like to get the daily use figures drilled down for Colorado. I can't find that online, and it's hard to find even daily numbers for the general population, but the uh, Monitoring the Future study uh, recently cited the national daily use rate among college students aged 19 to 28 was at a 35-year high of 5.1%. So even if we pretend that every CHS case was aged 18 and older, and we pretend that the daily pot smoking rate among Everyone 18 and older is 5.1%, which it's not. The older folks don't smoke that much, but pretend they do. We'd still only be looking at 87 CHS cases among 163,000 daily tokers, a rate of just five one hundredths of 1%. And here's the other quote that I wanted to zero in on. He says, quote, it is certainly something that before legalization, we almost never saw Now we're seeing it quite frequently. All right. So before legalization, there was 41 out of 113,000. That's one for every 2,700 patients. After legalization, there's 87 out of 125,000. That's one every 1,400 or so in two hospitals. So have that for each, right? For one hospital. So in another way to look at it, before legalization, a doctor in one of those hospitals would see a CHS case once every 18 days. You know, almost never. And after they'd see one every eight days, you know, quite frequently. <laughs> it's okay. And, and of course, the bottom line on this, the serious confounding issue here is that any stat you take on what people were doing with marijuana before legalization, 
has the confounding factor of people not wanting to admit they were committing a crime. The possibility of prosecution. This this confounds the stats on the kids eating the edibles, the dogs eating the edibles, the people going in for vomiting syndrome. They don't want to admit the real reason they went in there. Well, what the hell is supposed to do, you moron? Well, what I say we do is just to maintain some calm on this and not blare these headlines of, oh my God, there's a spike. That was how one of these places put it. A spike in this cyclical vomiting syndrome. Oh my God. No, there's probably just more people reporting it for what they've always had or not as afraid to go to the hospital for it. (sighs) Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's premium CBD essentials and CBD nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients, grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water, infused with CBD oil, is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 first responder and stage 4 cancer survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.cannosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's Essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R brands.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. The International Cannabis Business Conference comes to San Francisco, California on February 16th and 17th, 2017. The ICBC San Francisco, Northern California's first business-to-business event since the recent historic election, will bring together top state regulators and industry leaders to discuss permits, business models, and opportunities within the newly enacted laws and landscape. Of course, the ICBC also famously offers some of the best cannabis industry networking, leveraging our worldwide following to connect wholesalers, brands, distributors, investors, and strategic partners. And don't forget to come early for our VIP reception and stay late for our legendary after party. Join us for the longest continuously running cannabis business conference in California at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square, the one and only International Cannabis Business Conference. Visit internationalcbc.com for tickets today. The best weapon you can have in the Prohibition War is your mind. Fill your head with the knowledge you need by checking out this latest entry in the Russ Belleville Show's Reformers Reader. All right, welcome back, everyone. It's 45 after the hour, and joining us in our Reformers Reader is a great guest. To the show, we've got the former governor of Minnesota, governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura. Jesse, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Uh, Your new book is Marijuana Manifesto. It's your 10th book, and I think the first question on my mind is, 
what inspired you to want to write about marijuana? It's not the first thing people think of when they think of Jesse Ventura. Well, because it, 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 I'll, I'll get into the story, but it gave me back my quality of life. That if it wasn't for marijuana, I would not have the quality of life that I was used to and that I enjoyed. <laughs> and it isn't from me, but I'll just state this: it dealt with uh, it dealt with a person close to me who uh, started suffering epileptic seizures disorder and started seizing. It got so bad it was three to four times a week, and I was in the middle of all this. And so my life was completely turned upside down, not to say that the person seizing, of course, their life was turned upside down, but mine along with it. And the person went to the doctors and they put the person on four different seizure, pharmaceutical seizure medicines, one, the next, the next, the next. None of them worked. The seizures continued and all of them had horrible side effects. So finally, we, uh, the person went to Colorado and got, uh, at the time, called medical marijuana, and it was three drops under the tongue three times a day. In fact, uh, had a seizure on the way there. And when the marijuana was started then, the seizure stopped. Uh, now in Minnesota, uh, it's legal medical marijuana, and it's changed over to two pills a day. And she, the person has not had a seizure in over two and a half years now. And uh, I attribute it completely to marijuana. The only sad thing is, because Minnesota's laws are so restrictive, uh, what would cost $30 in Colorado costs 600 here. Mm. And that's one of the impacts of uh, these medical marijuana laws as they've unfurled in this country, is that they've gotten more and more restrictive as they've gone on. I would posit that that has to do with them trying to keep it out of the hands of the people who aren't supposed to have it. And that leads us to the discussion of marijuana legalization, which you touch on in the book. Uh, we got a lot of states voting on it this year. Uh, what do you think so far of the legalization regimes that have gone down in Colorado, Washington, and the other states? I think it's wonderful. Uh, it's, it's, when you read in my book, you'll read the history of marijuana. And I, I think people need to read that to understand that uh, in today's world, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and probably Ben Franklin would all be uh, arrested by the DEA. They would be charged and probably serving 10 to 12 years in federal prison for being drug dealers because marijuana remains a Schedule One, which is ridiculous. It's the only thing out there where law enforcement gets to, to say what it is. Nothing else, all other laws, are made by elected officials and carried out by legislatures and Congress and things like that. But on this one, the DEA gets to do it. Well, they benefit directly from it. They make money off keeping it illegal. And again, you look at, it was the economic backbone of our country for 160 years. There was a time when we were the colonies where Britain actually ordered the colonies to grow it because they needed it and didn't have the space to grow it. Uh, Britain's only about the size of the state of New York. And they didn't have the vast 
areas in the South and all that, and marijuana was the number one crop in the South until the invention of the cotton gin. Mm. When the cotton gin got invented, then marijuana fell behind cotton for clothing and all of that. But it was the backbone. You could actually, in those days, trade marijuana with England in lieu of money. Mm-hmm. And it was accepted in the barter system. And uh, then, of course, the 30s came along, and William Randolph Hearst in his 26 newspapers, and uh, he used it like today, bought off the politicians in uh, Washington, got it declared illegal because he wanted to corner the market on the paper industry in the fact that uh, uh, he owned thousands of acres of timberland and all these newspapers, and marijuana hemp makes better paper than wood. It's much more renewable. So what he did in the spirit of capitalism, he just got his competition eliminated by the law. Mm-hmm. which is absurd. And so, and he did it through articles in all of his 26 papers that were horrid. They were racist. They attributed the devil weed to black people. They insinuated that Mexicans smoked it, and that's why they were all lazy. And all of these racial things that were just, it, it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up to a predominantly white country at that time, a white, the white power was the power in the country. You know, people of color had no power, so they were scapegoated with marijuana. And then, you know, and the rest is history now. But it it just, it's ridiculous. It's jobs waiting to happen. Colorado's got, what, 300 million new dollars this year to spend on their schools because of taxing pot. Uh, I know the first windfall out of Washington was that their judicial budget in the first year fell 15%, and I can tell you as a governor, that's mammoth. Mm -hmm. That's hundreds of millions of dollars right there that you're not spending. People fail to realize whenever someone gets arrested for anything, it costs you money because it's your tax dollars that have to do the arresting. So uh, while we arrest all these people, and then and then I'm going to go on with this, and then I'll let you back in. <laughs> Every time you you got the you got the stuff with the national anthem right now, you yeah. know, with with Kaepernick and all that. I laugh when I hear the national anthem today. You know why I laugh at it? Uh-uh. When it gets to the part "Home of the Brave and Land of the Free," <laughs> yeah, and we have we have more people in prison than any other country in the world. How do we call what hypocrisy? How can we possibly call ourselves land of the free when you ain't free if you're sitting in jail? Exactly. We're speaking with uh, former Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura. His new book is called Marijuana Manifesto. It's extensively annotated. I, I hear 40 pages of footnotes. So you've certainly done your research. And you mentioned the, uh, the, the 30s and Hearst and the demonization of marijuana. And there are some in our movement. And in fact, there's a, a book out called Cannabis Manifesto. There are some in our movement that bristle at the word marijuana. Uh, why did you choose that as the title as your, of your book? And do you share any of that uh, concern about using the word marijuana versus cannabis? Well, cannabis, that's kind of like, you know, <laughs> that's like being an atheist or a non-believer. <laughs> you know, you go through that if you're one of those, you know, are you, because atheist sounds so harsh and non-believer sounds much more acceptable. But the point of the matter is, 
why not use marijuana? That's what it was called when I was growing up. You know, that's what I grew up with. I'm a product of the 60s. I was in my teen years in the 60s, graduated high school 1969. And back then, it wasn't referred to as cannabis. So if I make the mistake, and we should call it cannabis, I guess, we call it marijuana. I call it marijuana because that's what it was called back in the days when I went and saw Jimi Hendrix, like July 25th, 1970. Mm. It was called marijuana back then, so uh, spike it off to my youth. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me jealous with the uh, Hendrix concert there. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little younger than you are, and dang it, I'd only been two years old, but I, I still would have wanted to go. Uh, Jesse Ventura, uh, The Marijuana Manifesto is the book, and this is... Uh, uh, it's interesting to me that you came about uh, wanting to write this book based on you know the experiences of someone you know dealing with a medical issue. Prior to that, had this been something on your political radar? Had this been something? You'd oh been- yeah, I I tried I tried when I was governor to get legalization of cannabis. You know, at that time, uh, you know, uh, when I was governor, I couldn't get I could get no cooperation. You see, I was an independent, mm-hmm. and with independence, if you elect independence, you'll get to issue like this. But if you continue to elect Democrats and Republicans, then it's the status quo. I couldn't even get anyone to hardly carry a bill on it. Mm. You know, same thing held true when I uh, they want to build all these sports stadiums, right? This mm-hmm. is a little off on another subject, but. I had a way they could build all the stadiums they want that wouldn't cost the taxpayer a dollar, and that is legalized sports betting. Yeah. It's a $3 billion a year industry in Minnesota, $3 billion. Now, if we take what a bookie gets, 10%, that's $300 million new dollars a year. Mm. I mean, you could build this new Viking stadium in four years and have it all paid for just on the gambling that's illegal. See, that's the big problem here. When you make things illegal, they still go on. You just get no benefits from them because they're run by criminals, and there's no tax revenue made on them. In fact, you pay. We, since Nixon declared the war on drugs, we've paid like a trillion dollars. Have we been successful? Absolutely not. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an unwinnable war. Uh, as I said when I was governor... People are going to do, in in freedom, you have to accept the yin and the yang of it. You want freedom, but also part of that freedom is the freedom to be stupid. (laughs) And, And man is going to do things that are stupid. And like I told my staff when I was governor, I said, you can't legislate against stupidity. People will do stupid things, and you can't make every stupid thing against the law. And that's what we try to do with people, because in what's supposed to be a free country, if you take drugs, quote, or ingest anything in your body, in a free country, how can you commit a crime against yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. So does this, uh, your stand then on uh, legalizing marijuana, is is that extend to other drugs, prostitution, gambling? Yeah, for me, the big picture, absolutely. Now, when you say, see, because it, it all comes down to addiction. Addiction's a disease. And, I, I, okay, I'll give you a good, hi, 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 uh, a good comparison here. Let's, 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 let's think of a, a situation like this. Imagine if all the 
you think would happen tomorrow? <laughs> I think you'd have anarchy. I think you'd have chaos in the streets. Yeah, indeed. And anybody that had any, boy, they better be have a conceal and carry because someone's going to steal it from them. <laughs> Good point. Now, you uh, you brought up uh, sports and politics, a couple of things I wanted to get to. Uh, before we leave the marijuana issue, though, uh, as, as legalization has un- uh, unfolded in, in Colorado, we've got these industries now that are being built around it. And we've also got celebrities that are jumping in, some that we would expect, like Willie Nelson or Snoop Dogg, others who kind of caught people by surprise, like uh, the former governor of New Mexico, Gary Johnson, was the CEO of one of these companies what do you think about the industry side of this and would you ever consider putting your name on some sort of cannabis brand absolutely i've put word out and no one seems to want it so i thought i'd write a book <laughs> and, and uh and so no uh seriously i uh i think it's wonderful it's it's a whole economic boom to our economy waiting to happen i mean how many people out there work in the alcohol industry how many people out there work in the tobacco industry? Now, those are two legal drugs when improperly used or properly used can kill you. Marijuana's never killed anybody or cannabis. You know, and, and you can't overdose with cannabis. You can drink and drink, binge drinking. Look, it's a problem at college. These kids, you know, binge drink and they die. Well, that can't happen with cannabis. You can't smoke enough in one night to die from it. It's never happened. If it does happen, it'll be the first time. Mm. And, and so when you look at it from a safety standpoint, and then you get the argument from people, well, the cannabis today is way more powerful than the cannabis in the 60s. That might be, but just the same as alcohol. You have different strains of marijuana, uh, just as you have maybe a liqueur that's only 18%, or you can go out and drink 151 rum. You know, one of them's going to knock you into tomorrow, and the other one you probably handle all night long. Mm-hmm. Well, the same can be said in on the side of if you're an inhaler, say you're a smoker of the cannabis. Well, if it's more potent, you may have to only take one puff. And you're good for how long? Where in the old days in the 60s, you might have to take a dozen puffs or smoke the whole cannabis cigarette. Well, that means you're inhaling more smoke in your lungs, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So the less smoke, the better. And if it's more potent, that's not necessarily a negative thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh Because you can't overdose it. Right, right. Uh, well, uh, Governor Ventura, I got to tell you, uh, checking out our live chat room here at CannabisRadio.com, we've got uh, a, a grower out there in central Oregon who says it was an area settled by many, uh, Minnesota loggers, and he welcomes you out there if you want to start your brand. Another one of our chatters says, <laughs> uh, another one of our chatters. Tell him I appreciate it, but I don't think, I, I, I've had a very multiple, multiple careers but farmer hasn't appeared yet, and I don't <laughs> yeah. know, I'm 65 now. I don't think I got a green thumb. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of our chatters uh, has come up with the name for the Jesse Ventura marijuana cigarettes. He calls them Ventura Highway. How's well, that? Well, not bad. Not bad. You huh? know, like I, like I said, I, I would be open to it because for me, I like to do a lot of firsts and uh, I just signed with uh, with RT America. That's Russian television, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And I, my agent is uh, William Morris Endeavor, one of the largest agencies in the world out of L.A., and they told me that I was the first person, that they, the first client where they ever negotiated with Russia. Oh, wow. For my services. Interesting. Which is what they do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, that's a first there, so I put a feather in my cap on that. So if somebody out there would would offer me an advertising deal I'd, uh, for cannabis, I'd jump at it because I'd like to be the first elected official to officially put my name on something that should be legal that it to me it this is bigger than than cannabis too this is an opportunity for us the people to rise up and tell our government that we are the boss because over 50% of people now across the board and the more all the time when they see the good results and get educated want cannabis legal Mm -hmm. Well, it's our government that's telling us we can't. And we need to understand they work for us. We don't work for them. That's right. As much as they want to make you believe that, that they lord over us, cannabis could be the issue that really throws it in their face. You know, we had to start with Bernie Sanders' people. And believe it or not, Sanders' people and Trump's people are the same. They're just at the opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, I've, 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 I've heard that analysis before myself. Oh, yeah. They're just they're on the opposite ends, but they're both calling for ending the status quo. Yes, yes. We're you know, one from the far right, the other from the far left. Exactly. And, and it's an amazing phenomenon when you watch it take part over the last year and a half. Oh, yeah. And then you watch the two parties destroy it and stifle it down. Well, cannabis could be the issue where we can rise up and tell our government that we're in charge. We want this product. We want to be able to, you know, here's a quote. You want an original quote from me? Yes, sir. Here it is. I've said it many times, having grown up in the 60s. Marijuana or cannabis is to rock and roll what beer is to baseball. So imagine if they took away beer at the ball game. Mm, that would be a tragedy. Well, it just it's a tragedy because they've tried to take mar cannabis. I'm trying to say the words right. Oh, you, you, <laughs> I'm not the one who's got the problem with marijuana. I love the word marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, they're trying to take it away. I mean... I grew up going to concerts in the 60s, and you could go there with nothing. And it was sent right down the line, and everyone had a wonderful time, and it was some of the greatest times in this country, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and, and believe it or not, from age 18 to 22 and a half, or 23 and a half, I was in the United States Navy. Yes, sir. And uh, uh, we're speaking, folks, if you just joined us, we're speaking with uh, Governor Jesse Ventura. His new book is called Marijuana Manifesto, and it's available through Amazon and other outlets. And I wanted to get toward that political discussion because, you know, your career fascinates me as someone who rose uh, past the two-party politics and managed to become governor of Minnesota as an independent. This year in the presidential race, we've got the two least liked major party candidates ever, what should be the big opening for a third-party candidate to make a splash, and yet Governor Johnson and Dr. Stein, between the two of them, can't even register 15% in the polls. How do we break this logjam? Well, you break it by voting for them. Simple as that. But here's the problem. You must, it's an unlevel playing field for them. Number one, 
the media never talks about them, never shows their faces when they show the other two. Everything's focused on the two-party dictatorship. And the media is bought and sold by the same corporations that own the two parties. So it's all in a big circle, and if you're not in that inner circle, you're left out. What happened in Minnesota was this. I was polling no better than Gary Johnson, 9% at Labor Day, but I was allowed in the debates. In 60 days, I became the governor of Minnesota because I was allowed in the debates. The problem with the presidential debates, guess who gets decided who gets in? The Democrats and Republicans. Mm -hmm. Because they're the ones that had the Federal Debate Commission, this so-called nonpartisan commission. Well, it's nonpartisan for the Democrats and Republicans, but it's very partisan for third parties. They set this un unbelievable high standard of 15% in the state of Minnesota. If you get 5% on a statewide election, you're considered a major party. Hmm. 5%. Yet at the, at the federal level, and who set the standard of 15? Where is that in law? That you have to have 15% to be included in the debates. Yeah. And, and I proved it. I went from 9% in 60 days and became governor of Minnesota because I was, uh, and you should have seen him scrambling to cancel debates because <laughs> as soon as I hit the first debate, oh boy, my numbers started heading straight up and the other two sides were canceling out. We had a debate scheduled in front of uh, representatives of all the high schools in the state of Minnesota that planned for a year. And and uh, the other the major parties backed out of it because I was zooming to the top. So and they had to do it. You got people need to understand this is the dirtiest business going, and people who are involved in it obviously, for lack of better term, will jump into the mud with the pigs, and the pigs love it. Follow me? Yes, gotcha. This is the politics is the dirtiest, rottenest underhanded business there is they will do anything to win there's no ethics involved they when i was in office they never attacked my policies they attacked me personally then they went so far as to the media to attack my children mm. you know and that's what you're facing here that a lot of people wanted me to run for president, but I couldn't bring myself to go in on the whole hundred percent of doing the job because I fought back. And I, and, and but I will tell you this: had I run and say I got the libertarian, I'd have been in the debates. I'd have shamed them into it. You know how I would have did it? Yeah. I would have said. Hillary and Donald, you two want to be the commander-in-chief of the military. Well, I have something neither of you have. It's called an honorable discharge from the United States Navy. And you want to be the commander-in-chief? That requires a person with courage. You don't even have the courage to debate me. Mm. And yet you want to run the military, and you want to tell me that you have the courage to do it? Yeah, yeah. I'd have shamed him into it. Well done. Uh, Jesse Ventura, uh, the book is Marijuana Manifesto. And so looking at the uh, at the the fact that we've got this 
setup system where we're going to be force-fed these two uh, candidates. Oh, it's rigged. It's, yeah. it's rigged from anyone outside the two parties. It's completely rigged against you. Yeah. Do you, do you see, though, uh, is there any, any lick of difference to which one of those people might become president as far as politics or even marijuana goes? Maybe, maybe. Well, Hillary gives you the typical chicken politician answer. She says that, oh, there has to be more studies on cannabis. No, there doesn't. Uh, that university over in Israel and the doctor, I might add, funded by the United States, uh, he knows it all. And, and he's already unequivocally said it could help out the head traumas in the National Football League. They've already said that marijuana cannabis can help post-traumatic stress for all the young and men, women we're sending off to these vile wars that we can't get out of worldwide. It, it, it has so many medical uses that really whoever banned it, I think, should go to jail because they've denied humanity. And for all the religious people out there, um, isn't part of your religion that God put everything here? Well, what right do we as man have then to destroy a creation of God? Because mm. God made marijuana. First page of the book. So, uh, uh, Governor Ventura, I, I'm wondering, uh, so, oh, I'm sorry. It looks like we've just disconnected, unfortunately, uh, with the governor. My apologies. Let's see if we can uh, get him back on the line here. We just uh, pushed the wrong button. I hate it when that happens. We will uh, bring him right back as soon as I can get that number pasted back in. And here we go. We'll dial back out to Governor Jesse Ventura uh, talking to us from his home. Sorry about the disconnection there. Uh, uh, Governor Ventura, Russ Belleville again. Sorry for the disconnection. No, no problem. Anyway, I'll finish my train of thought. God God made marijuana, hemp. And so why I don't, and, and, and allegedly it, it, everything was put here for us to use. And hemp has so many uses. It's criminal It's that they're not using it. I mean, it's biodiesel fuel to help us get off Middle Eastern oil. Although I say let's get off of all these engines and go solar completely. But uh, anyway, that's another story. But it, 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 it's clothing. I mean, I love to tell this one. How can it be any more American than the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and Betsy Ross's original flag are made out of it? Mm, very good point. Uh, Governor Ventura. You know, I mean, can I, can I, if I was in a courtroom, I think I could say, I rest my case. <laughs> well said. Uh, now, Governor Ventura, uh, you briefly touched on sports, and of course, people uh, know you uh, from your past uh, as the body. One of our chat room people wanted to know uh, are you still uh, working out? Are you still pumping iron? Oh, yeah. I just train differently today. I'm actually right now two pounds more than I was when I got out of the United States Navy. Wow. Okay. I you said, two, what, you're 65? I weighed 228 when I got out of the Navy. I'm about 230 right now. I lift weights yet, I, uh, but I do nothing less than 20 repetitions per set. I do 300 reps a workout five to six days a week, depending on the body part. 
and then I really focus in on the elliptic machine because I had a hip done a few back in 08, and my surgeon at the Mayo Clinic, he doesn't believe anyone over 40 should run. Not that they're incapable of doing it, but the pounding. Yeah. It'll jar and pound your body apart. And with the technology we have today, like elliptic machines and all that equipment you have, I actually listened, and I switched over to the elliptic machine. And right now I do anywhere from a marathon to 40 miles a week. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. And 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 I'm on Medicare now. I just turned 65 this summer. (laughs) Well done, Governor Ventura. Glad to hear it. And uh, along that same line of questioning, I had my own question from my childhood that I wanted to ask. And that is, aside from yourself, who do you consider to be the three greatest professional wrestlers of all time? Oh, again, that's difficult to do. It's like anything. You, You can't compare generations to generations like you know comparing Babe Ruth to Hank Aaron comparing whatever to whatever it's just like in this year's Olympics uh, what's his name Bella Karai the big gymnastics uh-huh. coach they asked to compare this young girl from the US to uh, Nadia Komanich his first great student that right. he took to the gold medal and he said you can't do that it's unfair it's different times mm. And and so you can't, uh, you know, who's the three greatest? Who knows? That's that's ultimately in the world of pro wrestling. That's in the eyes of the fans. It was uh, you know, I I I can't sit here and tell you who's who the three greatest are. I will say this: I'm the greatest talker. <laughs> well, no doubt about that, Governor. Uh, now, as we, and in my day, and in my day, they always said the money was made at the mic. <laughs> there you go. Was it was uh, was marijuana ever a concern in pro wrestling back in the day? I, I mean, I've heard lately it's been well, tested for. It, 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 not a concern, you know. I, I I'm you know I'm not going to say any really. I'm not going to say anything more than that. Uh, it 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 was used for the same things that they would use it today for pain and other additional things that, uh, in my opinion, are far better than having to go to pharma. I mean, we here in Minnesota just lost Prince. Yes. And we didn't, lo- we didn't lose Prince to marijuana. We lost him to pharmaceuticals. Yeah, specifically, we lost him to fentanyl. And in Arizona, yep. the, one of the makers of fentanyl has donated a half million dollars to try to defeat legalization there. Yeah, of course, because they want you on those pills. I mean, when you look at the, the epidemic going on throughout this country right now with opiates, it's scary. And yet, here's some re- here's some instant feedback too. Everywhere they've legalized marijuana, heroin use has dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it runs in the face of them when they sold us back from the 30s on that it was a gateway drug that you'd smoke pot today and in two years you'll be on heroin in the gutter. Well, th- this is proving that that is not true at all. In fact, the opposite holds true. There's less going to that extreme if, if access to marijuana or hemp is available mm. or cannabis. Governor Ventura's book is called Marijuana Manifesto. You can check it out at uh, Amazon.com and other fine retailers as well. And, uh, Governor, of course, we've got uh, uh, about three minutes left here. And this November, we've got nine states on the ballot, four with medical marijuana, five with legalization, and most 
most importantly, California, with its Prop 64 legalization is on the ballot. Uh, are there are, are you in support of these measures generally, California specifically? Should people uh, take a look at these and vote for them? I haven't read it completely, but be wary. Be wary, because what I say by that is the one that got voted down in Ohio, mm-hmm. it was good that it did, because be wary. What the government's trying to do is make it to where you're going to have to buy all your cannabis from, say, an Amheuser-Busch, mm-hmm. a big corporation, and they're writing these laws that allow the corporations to take over the business. You know, and I think that's the big thing the cannabis people don't want to have happen. They want poor people to have access to it. We want the freedom. Even today, uh, I'll finish with this. It's still not legal in Colorado, not completely. You want to know why? Yeah. I can go to Colorado and I can buy as much tobacco product as I want and fill up a pickup truck, right? No one would say a word to me. I could go to a liquor store in Colorado, and I could empty out as much liquor as my credit card would hold, and it would all be legal, and no one would say a word. Yet, a state resident can only purchase one ounce at a time, and a non-resident can only buy a half an ounce of marijuana at any time. Now, so that means it's still not completely legal. And the other thing about Colorado that's strange, you have to have a prescription to get medical, but you don't to get recreational. Yeah. It's still oh, a long... That don't make no sense to me at all. Yeah, we still have a long way to go before we truly achieve cannabis liberation. Uh, these uh, exactly. baby steps and are we frustrating. Have to keep, we have to keep the heat on, the feet to the fire, because... They're going to do everything they can to reverse all this any time that they possibly can, and they got huge money backing them. So the people, uh, it's, like I said, this is an issue where the country can rise up and tell the government, hey, we're in charge, we want this legal, get out of the way, we're the boss, you're not. You're to carry our wishes out because you take our taxes and spend them. Uh, Governor Jesse Ventura, thank you so much for those words. We appreciate you you joining us here on the show. And uh, this sound means... You can't handle the truth. What a perfect segue. Governor Ventura, thank you so much for joining us here for this extended interview. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And uh, appreciate that. Uh, Looking forward to getting a copy of that book, Marijuana Manifesto. Check it out online. We'll be back after this safety briefing, taking your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ, 650-LEGAL-MJ, when we return. Well, of course, that's a pre-recorded interview. Happened uh, around the time of Prince's death. And uh, Governor Jesse Ventura, you know, there's too much there to constrain to 12 minutes, man. I just let him roll. And that was one of my favorite interviews ever. And uh, one of my good memories from 2016, all my good memories from 2016 seem to be marijuana-related, come to think of it. Hey, that's uh, the end of Hour 1. Stay tuned for our last live hour from 2016. All original stuff, uh, no pre-records here. Lose some drug war data mining on Prohibition pot prices. I got a radical rant on Massachusetts and Maine. We'll take a look at the top 10 science stories from 2016 to give us something uh, to uh, cheer about. And then my final thoughts for the year. 
For everyone here at Delta 9 Studios and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tell. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the snoopy, snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. And is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody, to our final live show of 2016. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, and good riddance to this horrible, no good, terribly bad year in so many ways, except marijuana. Really, think about all of the stories in the news, uh, you know, that you can think of that happened in 2016 that uh, uh, were just awful. <laughs> and then the marijuana stories are all good. We got a ton of really good studies that came out. We're going to talk about some of those coming up later up in the hour in uh, a piece from Paul Armentano, Normal's deputy director, out on alternet.org. And uh, we'll cover that. It's his top 10 uh, science stories, which are a great list, which is just great news to end our 2016 on. And then uh, we've also... Uh, uh, this uh, uh, TGI Fridays thing I wanted to talk about as well. And it's, <laughs> you know, I, I wrote up this story on how the TGI Fridays in Maryland had posted this sign that said they wouldn't seat or serve customers who have a strong marijuana odor. 
And I wrote it up and I wanted to see, well, are these, is this kind of place that drug tests? And sure enough, I look it up and I find this Gold Coast Holdings, uh, TGA Friday's employee handbook from 2015 that says, yes, there's, you know, this drug test that's involved to get a job. And I'm like, all right. So I wrote it all up. Well, I have to make a correction. I got an email from a spokesperson from the, uh, Gold Coast Holdings people. And they said, we're not the owners of that TGI Fridays. Oh, all right. So I looked it up, and it, sure enough, TGA Fridays, the corporation, is not owned by them. That's Tri-Artisan Capital Partners and Sentinel Capital Partners that own the whole corporation. Now, this Gold Coast Holdings, they're a franchisee. They own and operate like 82 of them. Uh, 82 of these TGR Fridays in Florida, New York, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, not Maryland. So I retract that part of the, uh, of the article <laughs> that the Gold Coast to imply that the Gold Coast was the owner of the TGI Fridays in question. Now, whether or not there, you have to offer up a cup of your piss to get a job there. Uh, no, that's not in dispute. <laughs> We're not retracting that. That's absolutely in your employee handbook. Uh, further research finds that it's Jackmont Hospitality, I believe, that operates the TGA Fridays in Maryland. Can't confirm if this is the exact location in question, but turns out Jackmont, and what a name, right? Jackmont Hospitality. Turns out they require a uh, cup of piss from you as well to determine if you're qualified to uh, serve the I don't know, what is it, chicken fingers? What do they serve at these damn things? Anyway, so there's your correction. I want to make sure that the record was absolutely clear on that one. Also, sad news in our 2016 local here uh, in Oregon, uh, James Bowman, who's a, a, a licensed grower in our Oregon uh, marijuana program, recreational grower uh, in Southern Oregon, Jackson County. He's been in the headlines before uh, for various reasons, and, and I've actually kind of gone rounds with him, but uh, <laughs> as is want to happen here uh, with many people, but uh He's a licensed grower, and he got beaten and robbed. Uh, a lot of his crop was, was stolen, right? And, of course, that's terrible. That's awful. Condemn that, absolutely. But the story here isn't that a pot grower got beaten and robbed. That happens all the time. It's that when you call the cops, they go after the thieves and the assaulters and not the pot grower. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CapsRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. 
Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Portland's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we're going to take a deeper look at something we talked about on a previous uh, program, and that is that prohibition pot prices aren't deterring teen marijuana use. The Washington Post is the latest media outlet to report on this UC Davis study. Uh, it's claiming that uh, in Washington State, 8th and 10th graders have been influenced by marijuana legalization there. That because they legalized, it reduced their perceptions of marijuana's harms. You know, not that we're like finally telling the truth now. <laughs> marijuana is going to cause radiation damage. Uh, yeah, of course their harm perception went down. Uh, and uh, it's leading them to smoke more. Right. That's, that's what's going on according to uh, this UC Davis study. Now, <clears throat> Christopher Ingram does his usual stellar job framing this study as an outlier compared to the numerous reports of legalization causing no increase in teen marijuana use nationally or in Colorado. Uh, in his diligence to provide voices of balance on the issue, he emailed New York University professor of public policy Mark A.R. Kleiman, the man who was tapped by Washington State to be their cannabis policy consultant, uh, to offer his opinion. This is from The Post, quote, in an email, Kleiman pointed out that in Washington state, the recreational marijuana market didn't open until halfway through 2014 and then only in limited form. That's halfway through the after period, 2013 to 2015, in the pediatric study. Kleiman said there's an even easier way to ensure that adolescent marijuana use remains at a minimum level. Make sure marijuana doesn't become too cheap. Quote, there's reason to think that adolescents are more price sensitive than adults with respect to cannabis use, he said. So I'd advise states that legalize to do what they can to keep prices from falling, end quote. All right, that's the end of the, the, the post. And I would just like to know what would that reason be? What reason is there to believe this? The extensive research reports from the teens themselves? Are we just 
guessing this hypothesis that high marijuana prices should dissuade teen marijuana smoking doesn't really pass the smell test. Prohibition has already jacked the price of marijuana far above what its natural cost should be, yet teen marijuana use has risen and fallen and risen and fallen with no correlation to the change in price. Legalization in the West, for example, has dramatically lowered the price of marijuana here, yet the teen marijuana use rates are remaining steady. So I decided to see how marijuana price correlates with teen marijuana use. If Kleiman's right, we should find more marijuana use where the price is low and less marijuana use where the price is high. So at first glance, I plug this into a a scatter graph where one axis is the price and the other axis is the percentage of reported monthly teen marijuana use. This data from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health for the teen marijuana use and data from priceofweed.com for the uh, reported state marijuana price. And I used the high-grade marijuana price. Um, This had the most data in it, the most submissions. So went with that. Uh, I will be the first to admit that's not a necessarily scientific source of data. It's, you know, user-reported into a website. There's no validation, blah, blah, blah. But, hey... It's what I had to work with. So I plugged it in, and I found that there was, seemed to be a little bit of a correlation. Uh, out of the 25, or out of the 50 states, I left D.C. out because it's kind of an outlier. Uh, out of the 50 states, 22 of them had marijuana prices that were higher than the national average of 320 bucks an ounce, and that had lower than the national average of 7.2% monthly teen use hmm well, close to half that's that's pretty strong looks like a pretty strong indication uh there were only nine states that had a high price and yet also had high use 12 that had low price yet high use and seven states that had a low price and low use and so some of those are make it kind of confusing because when you if you if you start really looking at it you see some weird things like You can take two legal states, right? Colorado and Oregon. The price of marijuana is below 250 bucks. Their teen use of marijuana is uh, about 11% and 9.5%, respectively. Uh, Yet, you can find two illegal states, Vermont and New Hampshire, where their price of marijuana is around 350 bucks, 100 bucks more an ounce. But their teen use rates are similar to Colorado and Oregon. Uh, Vermont's like almost 11% and uh, New Hampshire's like about nine and a half. Then you can find two rural prohibition states, Idaho and Utah, where the price of marijuana is around 280 bucks. Their teen use of marijuana, though, is really low at four and a half and six and a half about. Yet you can get two other rural prohibition states, uh, uh, Iowa and North Dakota, where the price of marijuana is over 360 bucks an ounce. But their teen marijuana use rates are like Utah's and Idaho's, about 5.3 and about 6.2, respectively. So it's not completely consistent. But that's just a snapshot in time. And so you're getting, you're not, you know, what's the effect of legalization, the process here, what's happened over time? Because this UC Davis study that we're talking about is 
making this claim that legalization increased the young teen usage in Washington between 2010 and 2015, even though it didn't in Colorado, even though it didn't happen nationally, even in happened to the 12th graders in Washington. <laughs> but okay, young kids from 2010 to 2015. So I made a change to the graph. I, I plugged in the the rate, the change in the marijuana use rate, like which states has had the most relative increase in marijuana use, right? Versus which states have the higher or lower price of marijuana. And when you look at it that way, there's a, a little less correlation going on here. Of the 31 states where the price of marijuana is above average, it's over 320 bucks an ounce, 15 of them had a decrease in teen marijuana use, 16 of them had an increase. So it's about split. And for the states, you know, there's 19 of them that had below average marijuana price, the cheap marijuana price states, the Western ones, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Utah, low price marijuana. Well, again, it was about split. 11 of them had a decrease in marijuana use and eight of them had an increase. Looking at it the other way, there was 26 states that had a decrease in marijuana use and 24 that had an increase. So there's really, you know, over the past six years, it's, you don't really see any sort of pattern there. And there are a few surprises. The legal states of Colorado and Washington had increases in teen use along with low price. But Oregon's teen use rates didn't budge. And we've got the lowest prices in the nation. Meanwhile, North Dakota, <laughs> North Dakota has both the most expensive marijuana and the greatest rate of teen marijuana use increase. The high price hasn't deterred those kids from using marijuana more. Virginia's got the second most expensive marijuana in the country, but they saw a nearly 20% decline in teen marijuana use rates. So opposite of North Dakota. Oklahoma had the biggest decrease in teen marijuana use rates, and yet their marijuana use costs 350 bucks an ounce. So maybe the price is affecting it, or maybe not. Doesn't seem to work in North Dakota. But no matter how you slice and dice this data, it does miss one crucial point. The artificially inflated price of marijuana only guarantees more market share for illegal dealers many of whom are teenagers, <laughs> right? Like we've learned this from prohibition. The more expensive it is, the more profit there is, the more crime there is, the more problem there is. These other, you know, climate and these public policy experts, they, this, this whole keep pot expensive idea, they're basing it on, you know, the data from alcohol and tobacco, which it has been shown that you increase the taxes on cigarettes and alcohol and you have lower use of by teens of alcohol and tobacco. We're seeing the lowest use rates ever. It's, it's been a contributing factor. The only problem with applying that policy to marijuana is that very few people have the resources and ability to grow tobacco or distill spirits, or at least efficiently enough to sell them for profit at prices below the legal market. I mean, we're already seeing how 20 to 37% taxation on marijuana in the legal states has left a thriving underground market for marijuana. That's aided by the legality of home growing of 
of course, except Washington, and personal possession, it's that market that's selling to teens, not the overtaxed legal market. If Look, if you really want to reduce the teen use of marijuana, the goal should be to move as much of that market into the adults-only stores that check ID as we can. The better the legal market can compete with the low cost of home growing, the more difficult it becomes to make a living as an illegal dealer who sells to kids. I know it's so counterintuitive to these people, but really, the more marijuana there is, the more legal shops there are, and the cheaper you make it, the less kids will have access to it. I know you don't believe it, but it's true. <laughs> we are proving it day after day here in the Western states. You shall see. But you can only ruin this by overtaxing it, overregulating it, jacking the price up to where the underground market can continue to compete. That's what we need to... Ugh. Sorry, I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. No, it's never the wrong week. By God, Lloyd Bridges. <laughs> hey, folks, it's 420. It's the last 420 of the show for 2016. I hope we have a whole lot more great 420s coming up in 2017. You can help us out, too. Make that a reality. If you can donate to the show, do so. Russ at RadicalRuss.com on PayPal. And thanks to those who already have. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA See the Sale Show, the largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver, will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannovation and Canatech Awards. Register before January 6th for $100 savings at SeedToSaleShow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st. SeedToSaleShow.com or 888-409-4418. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. 
At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Oh, welcome back, everyone, for this uh, special radical rant happening in the hour two. And it's the final rant of the year. Uh, before we get to it, I want to thank all of you who make this possible. It's uh, a dream come true to be able to do what I do, and I enjoy doing it every day. So some days I enjoy it more than others, I'll be honest. But <laughs> depends on the day. It's like any job, right? You all have those same kind of deals. Anyway, um, in the news today, I reported on two stories of two legislatures up there in the Northeast, Maine and Massachusetts, two of the states that have just passed marijuana legalization and how both of them are asking for or, or, or actually moving, you know, passing bills to delay the implementation of marijuana legalization. Situation in Massachusetts, Governor Charlie Baker there signed a bill. That's going to delay by six months, you know, six month delay on the opening of pot shops. We're going to open They were slated to open January 2018, but this would delay them to like summer of 2018. And they say, oh, we want to thoroughly prepare. We want to make sure everything we've covered all the bases, make sure everything's under control. Well, folks, uh, this isn't the first state to legalize marijuana. I mean, it's been done. Hell, here in Oregon, we went from legal to sales in three months. Granted, we passed a bill to let the medical dispensaries sell. You've got medical dispensaries there in Massachusetts. You could do the same thing. But no, we've got to thoroughly prepare. All right, so... They did this in like a, a informal session, no public debate, no hearings. It's one of them things where like two or three, four, five lawmakers are there, you know, empty hall kind of thing, you know, really sneaky BS on a, you know, the week between Christmas and New Year's, you know, <laughs> nobody's it's just awful kind of thing. You get, you know, how many million, 1.4 million, how many million voted in Massachusetts to make marijuana legal. It was like a 53.7, I think it got uh, in the vote. Uh, and then you can have three or four or five, you know, however many it was, handful of these legislators just, uh, no, no, we need to push it out farther. All right. So that's what's going on there. In Maine, in Maine, you got the, the, the no on 
uh, question was it four out there? No, question one in Maine, question four in Massachusetts. Uh, they're saying let's have a moratorium, let's put a delay on the implementation. And of course, the implementation they're talking about is always the commerce part, right? It's always the commerce part. So they approved legalization. It was a close one. This one's like 50 point something, 50.2%, really low, like within 4,000 votes, they passed it in in Maine. These opponents have been dragging out this uh, recount, costing the state money, and then they dropped that finally when it was clear statistically they weren't going to get anywhere. So this group, they're called Mainers Protecting Our Youth and Communities. Oh, yes. We've got to protect our youth and communities by stopping the opening of adults-only stores that check IDs that sell only to adults cannabis. Let's make sure they don't open. Meanwhile, it becomes legal for adults to grow and consume cannabis and possess it, but they'll have nowhere to buy it. So they will go to the underground market sources to get it. And that's how we're going to protect our youth and communities by creating an entirely new legal class of consumers and protect the couriers of the illegal contraband or the legal marijuana, but not legal to sell wink. They just don't get it. Do they? They don't understand. Maine has legalized two and a half ounces. We're not talking the rest of the country where this is a one ounce thing. Maine just voted for the legalization of two and a half ounces and the cultivation of six mature plants, 12 immature plants and unlimited seedlings. So you don't want to have a legal place for people to buy weed, huh? And yet everybody can grow those huge amounts. Oh man. It's the same plea I made to the Eastern Oregon legislators. All you do when you stop the opening of the pot shops, especially once you've got possession and home cultivation legalization, is just hand the most wonderful gift to the local pot dealers and the illicit pot growers. Oh, thank you. Thank you for a bunch of legal customers and legalizing my couriers. That's awesome. That, could, could you please keep the pot shops from opening and, and competing with us? That would be great. <laughs> so uh, Governor LePage, of course, he's dragging his feet as well. He says it may not be legal to legalize. Gov, look, look west, man. <laughs> There's four states that already did that, you know, years ago. And seems to be working, seems to be legal. Um this guy, of course, he's a real tool, but uh, it goes into effect. Okay, so legalization in Maine goes into effect after LePage issues his proclamation of the results. And so he's going to drag his feet on that because <laughs> he says, I don't know if I can legally do it. They might try to impeach me. I might get impeached <laughs> for legalizing weed. Sure. Okay. In Maine. Right. Of all the things that LePage could get impeached for, I don't think legalizing weed is going to be on the top of the prosecutor's list. But, uh, the, of course, everybody's saying this is a stalling tactic. And, and guess what? They're saying when would it, uh, when would we have pot shops? Well, it would be summer of 2018. Funny. That's odd. 
how both Maine and Massachusetts are wanting to, a delay to summer of 2018. It makes one think that perhaps they think running out the clock somehow helps their cause. I got to thinking about it. All right. So like Trump administration goes into effect starting January 2017. We got a new Congress, right? Then you got your uh, 2018 January. You got all these guys running for midterms. And then, of course, summer of 2018. Is, is there something politically I'm missing? Is there a political date, appropriations bill that I'm missing? I don't know. Midterm elections. I, I'm trying to find a connection, but something just, just raises my radar when I get this, you know, Massachusetts and Maine both pushing. Hey, no, no, no. Let's put out the summer. And of course, I, I get people that think I'm, you know, a little too paranoid about what's coming in with Attorney General Sessions. Should he get confirmed? And you know, the rest of the administration picks of Trump, and that there's no way they're going to go after marijuana. And I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> I sure hope I, you know, I'd hate to be right. <laughs> I'd be gladly, gladly be wrong here. I just think, man, we've had it so good for so long that. Ah, there's just bound to be a pendulum swing back. I mean, maybe I'm like, you know, and maybe this is generational. Maybe I've got younger listeners, younger readers who think I'm just, you know, the raving old man or something, but maybe there's something to it where like, you know, you've been abused. You've been hit so long that now you just flinch, you know, all the time. You just, you got that abuse survivor syndrome, post-traumatic stress going on. Maybe there's an element of that to it, Right. Where, you know, those of us who grew up in the 80s, <laughs> like, man, we can remember some bad stories about, you know, getting caught with weed and people that, you know, had to do time for it. And uh, people that, you know, came up in the 90s, in the early years of medical marijuana and the raids that happened back then. And like, oh, I, I always I, I hope we're past that. And a lot of people, you know, will bring up that we're at a tipping point. We've reached a tipping point that now it's legalized in California. We're past the tipping point. It's billion-dollar industries, billion-dollar industries. I remember Popular Mechanics had a big article in the 30s. Hemp, the billion-dollar crop. It'd be a billion-dollar industry. It'll make everything out of hemp. Billion-dollar crop. Didn't happen. I, it, the opposite happened. And, and maybe that's it. Maybe I'm too much a student of history. And, and, you know, I've talked to guys who were in, you know, the marijuana movement. You know, the founder of the marijuana movement, Keith Strop and I, hanging out at his pad, man, drinking white wine and smoking real fat doobies, and him talking about the, the, the zeitgeist, if I can use a big word, zeitgeist in, 20, in, the, in the 1970s, mid-70s. They're getting, you know, hearings, and they're having the president call for decriminalization, and marijuana popularity had tripled in just like four or five years. Gone from like 12% to 36% and just like whew, shooting up. And they were all like, oh, it's going to be legal by 1978, 79 tops, right? So, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe I've, I'm biased because I've uh, studied the history of these things. And I always think that there's social movements, you know, two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. There's always a pushback. And man, I, I, I see this as a big pushback, this, you know, administration that's coming in Trump and the Congress and the cabinet he's selecting and who's going to have appointed. And now 
on the list of the big problems that will be out there, you know, <laughs> new, new nuclear arms race, global climate change, I admit the marijuana issue may be <laughs> of less severity. Uh, you know, I always like to try to keep things in perspective. But I wonder, I just wonder, this is this Maine and Massachusetts delay meant to, you know, forestall it ever happening, right? To, to wait, it, it, is that how long it would take an injunction to get through? Maybe that's the 18 month need rather than 12 months. I don't know. To, to get, uh, you know, I, to have some federal interference that prevents the, the, the opening of these, uh, marijuana shops. I just get the feeling they want to delay, 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 because they're thinking, you know, it's like when you're, you know, at the, at the end of a game you're losing and you're calling timeouts to try to preserve the clock. That's, they're just trying to keep prohibition as long as they can for some hope, some hail Mary, something that maybe they know that we don't, I don't know. I just question it. That's all. I, I, I'd hate to see it that marijuana becomes limited to just being legal out here in the West in one form, you know, like it's been with medical marijuana. No, medical marijuana in the West is a different thing than medical marijuana in the East. In the West, it's, you know, your own plant, holistic, grow your own medicine kind of thing, people helping each other kind of thing. Out East, it's far more, far more of the, uh, you know, uh, non-smokable dispensary only type of uh marijuana operations so it's uh something i worry about all right there's the uh sound for some reason <laughs> hey happy new year <laughs> this is the russ belleville show on cannabisradio.com Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted, available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. You have John McAfee. He's running for the Libertarian Party nomination for president. What makes someone like you want to take the reins of this? We're so far behind this frightening and in a cyber war. We can't hack into the Chinese. Back in 1979, they started building cyber defense systems. We didn't even think about it until 20 years ago. I've seen no candidates and certainly no one within government capable of dealing with this issue. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high, too. 
the International Cannabis Business Conference comes to San Francisco, California on February 16th and 17th, 2017. The ICBC San Francisco, Northern California's first business-to-business event since the recent historic election, will bring together top state regulators and industry leaders to discuss permits, business models, and opportunities within the newly enacted laws and landscape. Of course, the ICBC also famously offers some of the best cannabis industry networking, leveraging our worldwide following to connect wholesalers, brands, distributors, investors, and strategic partners. And don't forget to come early for our VIP reception and stay late for our legendary after party. Join us for the longest continuously running cannabis business conference in California at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square, the one and only International Cannabis Business Conference. Visit internationalcbc.com for tickets today. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Closing out 2016 here on CannabisRadio.com. It's been a hell of a year in marijuana, I tell you. Being able to legalize in four more states and go four for five on uh, on uh, legalization. We missed out on Arizona. We'll get you Arizona. And then four for four on medical marijuana. That was a fantastic thing as well. Uh, it, it almost makes the the rest of the election. Uh, uh, no, it doesn't. It's <laughs> just, oh, my God. But, uh, you know, we got to look at the bright side. And uh, at least in marijuana, it was a banner year. It was a great year. Uh, it was a nice little oasis, little island of goodness here in 2016. And uh, we had some great studies and great uh, stories that came out in 2016. We've covered some of them this week. And I want to close out this year with uh, some writing from Paul Armentano out at alternet.org, something he published yesterday entitled 10 Scientific Studies from 2016 Showing Marijuana is Safe and Effective. All right, so we have the disclaimer. While no psychoactive substance is completely harmless, modern science continues to prove that cannabis is one of the safer and more effective therapeutic agents available. Here's a look back at some of the most significant marijuana-centric studies published over the past year. Number one. Pot use doesn't adversely impact IQ. The cumulative use of cannabis by adolescents has no ill effect on intelligence, according to longitudinal data published in January in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Investigators evaluated intellectual performance in two longitudinal cohorts of adolescent twins. Participants were assessed for intelligence at ages 9 prior pri- nine to 12 prior to any marijuana exposure and again at ages 17 to 20. They concluded, quote, In the largest longitudinal examination of marijuana use and IQ change, we find little evidence to suggest that adolescent marijuana use has a direct effect on intellectual decline. End quote. Number two. 
Cannabis consumption is correlated with lower BMI. Those who use marijuana on average possess a lower body mass index or BMI than those who abstain from the herb. So reported researchers at the University of Miami this past July in the Journal of Mental Health Policy and Economics. Investigators assessed the relationships between marijuana use and body mass index over time in a nationally representative sampling of American adolescents. They concluded, quote, Daily female marijuana users have a BMI that is approximately 3.1% lower than that of non-users, whereas daily male users have a BMI that is approximately 2.7% lower than that of non-users, end quote. Lower BMI is associated with less risk of heart disease and other potential adverse health issues. Number three. Fewer traffic fatalities occur in medical cannabis states. The passage of medical marijuana legalization is associated with reduced traffic fatalities among younger drivers, according to data published this month in the American Journal of Public Health. Investigators from Columbia University assessed the relationship between medical cannabis access and motor vehicle accidents over a nearly three-decade period, 1985 to 2014. They reported, quote, On average, medical marijuana law states had lower traffic fatality rates than non-medical marijuana law states. Medical marijuana laws are associated with reductions in traffic fatalities, particularly pronounced among those aged 25 to 44 years. It is possible that this is related to lower alcohol-impaired driving behavior in medical marijuana law states, end quote. Number four. Pot patients spend less on prescription drugs. Patients who reside in states where medical cannabis is legal spend less money overall on conventional medications, so determined University of Georgia scientists in July. Researchers assessed the relationship between medical marijuana legalization laws and physicians' prescribing patterns in 17 states over a three-year period, 2010 to 2013. Specifically, researchers assessed patients' consumption of and spending on prescription drugs approved under Medicare Part D in nine domains, anxiety, depression, glaucoma, nausea, pain, psychosis, seizures, sleep disorders, and spasticity. Authors reported that prescription drug use fell significantly in seven of the nine domains assessed, and they estimated that nationwide legalization would result in a savings of more than $468 million in annual drug spending. Number five. Pot users are no more likely than abstainers to access health care services. Cannabis consumers are not a drain on the health care system. Researchers at the University of Wisconsin assessed the relationship between marijuana use and health care utilization in a nationally representative sample of U.S. adults aged 18 to 59 years old. Their findings appeared in October in the European Journal of Internal Medicine. They determined that pot users, including habitual consumers, were no more likely than non-users to admit, admit it to the hospital or to access outpatient health care services. Researchers concluded, quote, Contrary to popular belief, marijuana use is not associated with increased health care utilization, and there is also no association between health care utilization and frequency of marijuana use, end quote. Number six. 
Marijuana use history associated with better in-hospital survival rates. Patients who test positive for cannabis are less likely to die while hospitalized, according to data published online in November in the journal Cancer Medicine. A team of researchers from the University of North Colorado, Colorado State University, and the University of Alabama assessed the relationship between marijuana use and health outcomes among a nationwide sample of 3.9 million hospitalized patients. Researchers reported a correlation between a patient's history of cannabis use and survival rates, particularly among those admitted for cancer treatment. They concluded, quote, odds of in-hospital mortality were significantly reduced among marijuana users compared with non-users in all hospitalized patients as well as cancer patients, end quote. Number seven. More seniors are turning to cannabis. More seniors are becoming stoners. According to population data published in November in the journal Addiction, marijuana use by those aged 50 and older has spiked significantly since 2006. Specifically, authors reported that the prevalence of past year cannabis has risen approximately 60% for those aged 50 to 64 and increased 250% for those over 65 years of age. It's understandable why. Older Americans are well aware of the multitude of severe side effects often associated with conventional medication, whereas cannabis is recognized to possess no risk of fatal overdose and is associated with far fewer significant adverse events. Number eight. Maternal marijuana use risks likely have been overstated. The moderate use of cannabis during pregnancy is not an independent risk factor for adverse neonatal outcomes such as low birth weight, according to a literature review published in October in the journal Obstetrics and Gynecology. Investigators at the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis reviewed outcomes from more than two dozen relevant case control studies published between 1982 and 2015. They reported that the maternal use of tobacco, not marijuana, is likely responsible for adverse events such as preterm births or children born at a weight below normal for their gestational age. The data do not imply that marijuana use during pregnancy should be encouraged or condoned. The lack of a significant association with adverse neonatal outcomes suggests that attention should be focused on aiding pregnant women with cessation of substances known to have adverse effects on the pregnancy, such as tobacco. Number nine. Unlike drinking booze, smoking pot decreases aggression. (laughs) It's long been presumed that consuming alcohol increases users' feelings of aggression, while cannabis exposure does just the opposite. Data published in July in the journal Psychopharmacology confirms it. Investigators from Maastricht University in the Netherlands and Frankfurt University in Germany evaluated subjects' response to aggressive stimuli following exposure to alcohol, cannabis, or placebo. Predictably, researchers reported that alcohol and cannabis intoxication resulted in disparate responses among participants. They concluded, quote, The results in the study support the hypothesis that acute alcohol intoxication increases feelings of aggression and that accused cannabis intoxication reduces feelings of aggression following aggression exposure, end quote. And number 10. Fewer teens are abusing pot in the era of legalization. 
Fewer adolescents are consuming cannabis. Among those who do, fewer are engaging in problematic use of the plant, according to data published in July in the Journal of the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. Investigators at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis evaluated government survey data regarding adolescents' drug use habits during the years 2002 to 2013. Researchers reported that the percentage of respondents who said that they had used cannabis over the past year fell by 10% during the study period. The number of adolescents reporting marijuana-related problems, such as engaging in habitual use of the plant, declined by 24% from 2002 to 2013. The study's findings are consistent with previous evaluations reporting decreased marijuana use and abuse by young people over the past decade and a half, a period of time during which numerous states have liberalized their cannabis policies. There you go. That's uh, the 10 science studies of 2016 showing marijuana is safe and effective. You can find that at alternate.org. Encourage you to get out there and to uh, share it on Facebook and Twitter. Pass that around. Paula Montana gives you the real scoop on this stuff, and there's great links in there to all the supporting data as well. Check it out, alternate.org. Ten scientific studies from 2016 showing marijuana is safe and effective. All right, we'll be back to kiss 2016 goodbye when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Seeking a career in cannabis? Ready to become the next great bug tender? Increase your knowledge, skills, and higher ability with a Tricomb certification today. Tricomb Institute is the only cannabis education company in the world with courses that include textbooks, workbooks, and expert-approved and government-certified curriculum. Tricomb now offers these courses online. Take the courses at your own pace with 24-7 live human support from anywhere in the world. These courses are perfect for physicians, pharmacists, MMJ parents or patients, adult use customers, and most of all, aspiring bud tenders. The course includes full access to the cannabis industry's largest job board and even includes resume building help. Register for online courses with the cannabis industry's educational leader in science, education, and training. Visit TricombInstitute.com today. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., 
a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to The Russ Belleville Show is... The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today and this week and this month and this year and the past four years and even the four years before that. It's been my honor and pleasure to be talking to you every day that I can as we continue this battle to restore our hemp heritage, to return our cognitive liberty, to stop locking people up over a plant, to to stop even punishing them or discriminating against them or treating them as second-class citizens over it. Uh, it's, a, it's a long and protracted battle we're going to have to fight. Uh, living out here in the legalized West is great, but we still have a lot of battles to fight. You know, we can still be discriminated against in our jobs uh, for just being pot smokers. We can still lose our kids. We still don't have our Second Amendment rights. That's important to a lot of people out West. There's still a lot of battles to fight, and that's not to dismiss the big battles to fight in places, you know, out uh, in the South and the Midwest where people still go to jail for long periods of time and still have their lives disrupted and their places raided and lives turned upside down over their just mere possession, much less growing of marijuana. But it's something I'm... um dedicated to reporting on something I'm dedicated to experiencing and hearing from you and hearing from the people that I visit all across this country, hoping next year to uh, be able to spread that to uh, Europe as well. Uh, The international cannabis business conference happens in April and I've got to raise the funds to fly out there, uh, trying to get some sponsors put together or enough donations put together. You can donate if you want. It's uh, Russ at RadicalRuss.com on PayPal. And thanks to the people that have donated so far. And uh, and know that I in no way live the... Uh, uh, live the high life, man. I'm just a coach. <laughs> I'll take whatever two stop long layover sleep in the airport flight I can get and <laughs> sleep in an Airbnb closet, man. It doesn't matter to me, man, but uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the support. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and I've learned a lot going across uh, the country and now looking to expand into another continent. That'll be a lot of fun. And, hopefully a, a lot of value to you too, to kind of get a feeling for what's going on all across this, uh, this planet when it comes to this fight, this is a global war that we are fighting here. And remember, it's not a war on drugs, 
so much as it's a war between drugs and a war on people that use drugs. The wrong ones. The wrong people using the wrong drugs. <laughs> but we're winning it. I don't want to be uh, uh, Debbie Downer for 2017. Happy New Year to everyone. And those of you that have the optimistic outlook that marijuana can't be stopped at this point, I hope you're right, and I'm hoping for that. That's the outcome I want to see happen. If I get a little gloomy, maybe it's uh, my habits, maybe it's my history. (laughs) I'll try not to be so gloomy. Anyway, thanks, everybody. That's all we got for this year. I'm Radical Russ, live from Delta 9 Studios in beautiful Eagle Potland, Oregon. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.